Hello, and welcome to your Epsom St Helier podcast. Today I'm joined by Arlene Wellman, who's our chief nurse. Hi Arlene. Hello. How are you doing today? Really good, thank you. Good, good. Um, so I'm going to start it straight away and start you off by asking how you began your career in nursing. Uh, so my career in nursing started really differently so it was my aspiration um, at school to be a teacher okay so I came from a family of teachers my dad's sisters were teachers and um, you know all of my cousins we were all going to be teachers so from a young age that's what I felt that I would be and that didn't go to plan so some soon after leaving school I got married and I had uh, what a child and you know I still then considered a career in had started a career in teaching by then actually I had trained as a, a primary school teacher and was teaching in a private school and then I had my second child I, well I was pregnant with my second child and had complications towards the end of the pregnancy and went into hospital and I was looked after by a most amazing midwife and I thought you know what I'd like to do that for somebody to treat me the way the way she treated me I can treat somebody else Brilliant. and then I decided to change careers so uh, because I trained in the Caribbean in Trinidad in particular I had to wait a number of years to get onto a training program so I taught until then uh, and then went into nursing with the view of becoming a midwife at some point um, loved loved the training program um, made really good you know friends and colleagues but really enjoyed doing it um, and yeah, that was what I was. That's how I got into nursing. Oh, brilliant! So you were inspired by a, a midwife of yours that, that treated you. Yes, and some years ago, I was privileged enough to go back and for when she retired mm. to say thank you because she has really she changed my life. Oh, that's lovely. That's really lovely. Nice story. We've spoken about your start of your career. Yeah. But then when did you decide to go into the NHS? What what point? So I was in the Caribbean still and I was working as a nurse there and by then I had four children. And um the there was this advert came out for nursing in the UK so they were trying to recruit from the Caribbean and my colleagues, a couple of younger colleagues who were coming over, I said, Oh, why don't you come over? And no, no, why would I yeah. do that with four kids? But if you go, and then I have somewhere to come on holiday, so that's fine. <laughs> and then um, I was merrily working uh, and getting on what I do. And then I had a phone call uh, when I was on duty one day to say, you have an interview this afternoon, a telephone interview from Canada. Uh, oh, what, what was that? Didn't apply for anything. And she said, well, all I know is that you have an interview. And it turned out that my colleagues had applied on my behalf to come to England, the recruitment um company was in Canada. So I went and had the telephone interview and was offered a position at the Royal Barks Hospital. And I thought, well, I've done it now. I've got the job. I might as well go. So uh, and that's how I came over initially on my own to work at the Royal Barks in uh, gastroenterology. Was there anything that motivated you particularly to come to England other than your friends putting you forward? Or? So, so my friends, uh, my friends put me forward but I, I think in terms of a, a, a career progression in the Caribbean is very different yeah so you know you literally have to wait for the matron to retire to move into a more senior post and it's it's very you know as you 
in order of appearance, really. So, mm. <laughs> you know, if you're a junior nurse, you stay junior until everybody else above you have pro- progressed through. So, you know, having done the interview and been offered a job, I then looked at it and I thought, well, actually, you know, you, there is good um, opportunity. And then I was still in my head wanting to be a midwife. And it meant that if I came here, I could go into midwifery much easier. And then when I came, I was on a gastroenterology ward, but got quite moved uh, by a particular patient, really, uh, who I remember we, you know, who had had a massive GI bleed and looked after her. But initially when she came in, because she'd had this massive bleed, I remember sitting with with a consultant to speak to her sons to say, um, unfortunately, you know, she might not make it. She's quite frail and she's had a massive event and she might not, um, she might not make it. And three weeks later, when she was, she had made it and was ready to leave hospital, they had sold her house. And for me, coming from the Caribbean, where it's very much, you know, your the, the society is your your elders are respected, uh, and then you know if they become unwell, somebody has to stop whatever they're doing and look after them. So the healthcare system is very very different. There's no nursing homes, for instance. Um, certainly, at that time there were there weren't any. So it kind of got me thinking about, you know, about how this society, because it was very strange to me that, you know, some your mother would go into hospital and when she was well enough to go home, the house had been sold and she didn't have anywhere to go. And now we were looking to place her. Mm. Um, and another incidents like that made me kind of think, oh, actually, this elderly care nursing is probably something that I would really love to do because I'd, again, love to care for them as if they were my own parents and my parents are not in this country. Yeah. So, uh, and I decided then that I would go into elderly care nursing and I had to redo some of my stuff. Even though I had a degree already, I had to redo my BSc and, uh, and my, well, a certificate, a diploma, and then a BSc and then a master's. And I chose to do it all in elderly care then. Wow. So my... Um, or my career since then has been in elderly care nursing. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, motivated by, as I say, I just think the lack of um, respect, I think, for me, that older people receive as part of this system yeah. that we live in. Yeah. I think it's fantastic that people like yourself do go into elderly care and that we have people like you looking out for our elderly patients because they, they do need a very specialist type of care, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, I, and you know, and I, my view is that if we get it right for older people, we get it right for everybody yeah. because those are quite our most vulnerable. You know, when you're young and you fit, you come in, you have surgery, you go home again, you know, you, you have something repaired, you have something. But when you're elderly, you get more and more dependent and actually people are living so much longer now uh, to the point where they will become frail at some point it's really important to have the skills to to look after them. I know you haven't been with us for a a huge amount of time but you've been with us for about a year now haven't you? On the 5th of March it'll be a year. Okay so So almost a year. Just under a year. So how's your first year going? How have you found it joining us? So I, I, it's been very interesting. I've, yeah. I've never so I've worked as I say when I first came. I worked in 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 Reading, um, worked and lived in Reading, yeah. and then I moved to Oxford um, as a major. I worked uh, in Oxford, and then I worked in Hampshire. So I've never really worked this end of the, uh, this side of the M25. And so when I came here, 
I think if you imagine that end of the country is not as diverse. So I think one of the first things that you notice when you come to F7 St. Helier is how diverse it is. Although, um, you know, other people tell you it's not as diverse as inner London, but it is more diverse than where I um, used to. And, there, and therefore that comes with its challenges. I think I had worked on split sites, so that was not uh, a big issue. But I think in terms of... Um, the people and and how care is delivered and whatever is slightly different. It's is a it's been a time of getting to know how we do things and then how I feel that we could improve it even more. Mm-hmm. So it has been quite of a, a big learning exercise. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I suppose yeah, coming into London now. I mean, we're on the outskirts of London, outside, our, hospi- yeah. our hospital, and as you say, not not as diverse as some of the inner London hospitals. You know, when I went to Reading or 20-something years ago, certainly in the hospital, there were very few BME staff at senior level. It is more diverse now. I think in terms of population, Reading is quite heavily populated. You use an acronym there, BME. So Mm. that's uh, Black and Minority Ethnic Background, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And you set up a a BME network as well. Yeah. Could you just explain a little bit about the BME network? So the BME network, I think, is in is being in the process of being set up, and it's really about um, bringing together uh, staff of uh, from BME backgrounds and and staff who have an interest yeah. in 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 black and minority ethnic issues and supporting that to work together to raise the profile and to help to address some of the issues that BME staff face. So as a as a BME um, member of staff or you know so i can talk as a nurse i remember a long time ago now more than 20 years ago looking after a a patient for instance who said and she was a hundred she was a hundred years old and i was in awe of a hundred year old because life expectancy in the caribbean is not is not great um and uh, i went in to give her a wash and i said oh i've come to give you a wash and um uh, and she said, right, so what you need to do is you need to get a bowl um, and then you need to get some water and some soap. And I said, don't worry, I've done this before. I know what to do. And she said, I wasn't sure if you have washes where you come from. And I suppose lots of nurses will have that experience or lots of, you know, just BME staff, nurses or non-nurses will have that kind of experience. And you can you can choose to deal with it in several ways. And uh, and some people kind of take it quite personally. Uh, and I think the BME network is about bringing people together so that they can explore some of that kind of issue um, and learn how to manage it in a way that that is not confrontational or, you know, because I, the way I saw it is that she was 100 years old. She had never been to the Caribbean um, and she she genuinely did not know. Mm. And that was my opportunity to tell her, you know, actually we don't have washes. We probably have showers more than, than baths because it's hot and whatever. She didn't understand. Mm. So, you know, it's about that kind of approach. And I think the other thing that... Um, you know, we have had lots of uh, research done around the experiences of BME staff in the NHS. Um, and there is something called, you know, the glass ceiling. Um, Roger Klein has done a report called Snowy White Peaks, showing mm. especially at board level that, you know, most of the boards, the NHS boards are white. Yeah. And 
and it's about and but our patient population is becoming more diverse mm. and actually there is evidence that if the staff that we have are able to relate to the patients that we look after the patients have a better experience uh, and so we have a vested interest in ensuring that our BME staff feel adequately supported uh, to progress as they need to be so that they can deliver best care because happy staff equals happy patients of course yeah really well said I think also BME staff have made a huge contribution to the NHS for a long time now and um, one particular generation that's famous is the Windrush generation and a lot of uh, people from the Windrush generation came to work in the NHS. Could you give us a little run over on the history of Mm. the Windrush generation with the NHS? So actually, I looked at this as part of um, Black History Month last year. So the Windrush generation, um, I, and I'm not a historian, no. but um, so from what I understand, the Windrush was um, sent to the Caribbean post-war, and it was sent to both to take uh, people that had fought from the Caribbean in the war on on behalf of the of the of of the English back home to the Caribbean, and and then offered. That the opportunity as well to bring staff over to work in the newly what was going to be the newly formed NHS, um, and people came willingly uh, to work and and to to um, progress in all kinds of jobs, but particularly in the NHS. Uh, and so the issue then was that when they came over, what they found was they couldn't get housing, for instance, you know, signs that said no blacks, no Irish, no dogs, and 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 things like that having come over willingly to contribute mm. um and recent in recent times you know there have been cases where um because people haven't been able to produce the right documentation so sort of, you know send them home kind of yeah. where actually they came willingly that generation came willingly to contribute to to the NHS and i don't think you know from the stories that you've heard a lot of the you know, the NHS would not have survived without no. that generation of people. And subsequently to the all the other um, black and minority ethnic staff that have come from countries all over the world yeah. um, to work in the NHS. It simply wouldn't be the organisation we see today. It would not be. No. It wouldn't be. So I want to move on to a little bit about our future as a trust mm-hmm. and the 2020-2030 proposals to build a new acute facility on one of our three sites. So as our chief nurse, what do you think this uh, proposes in, in terms of a nursing perspective to our trust? I think it's a really, really exciting time for nursing. Uh, so within the proposals we will see um, the need for nurses who are able to work more autonomously, who are able to undertake roles that are traditionally only undertaken by doctors. Um, but that, but we have a lot of nurses doing that already. I think yeah. um, even within Epsom and St. Helia, we already have some of those advanced practitioners, but we need to have very many more. Um, again, you know, we have ageing population and all of that, which require... Um, staff who can work competently to deliver really, really good care. And that's why I think it's an exciting time for nursing because we can develop uh, so many more of our nurses to deliver that high standard of care at that, you know, almost as at consultant level while providing an opportunity for more junior nurses 
to come in as well. Um, and with all of the developments around the nursing associates, the apprenticeships, it's a real opportunity to get the right people uh, and the right number of people to deliver what we need uh, mm. as an organisation going forward. So I think it's an exciting time, an opportunity. Excellent. So I suppose that, that also brings me on. We're, we're talking about having new nurses, junior nurses. Now, I think NHS wide, but I know in our trust particularly, nursing recruitment has become a bit of a challenge for us. Um, so do you have any ideas on what we could maybe do to try and improve our so recruitment rate? My particular vision is for us to to transform nursing at Epsom and St Helier to the place where everybody wants to come and work here as a nurse yeah. because they feel supported they have opportunities to progress they are you know they are part of a workforce that is progressive that works together that uh, really want to deliver excellent care so my vision is to have an Epsom and St Helia nurse that is second to none across um across London and certainly across, you know but across the NHS really people I want to put Epson and St Helier nursing on the map um, and I think I think we have some brilliant nurses here already um, who are who work really really hard who are passionate about what they give and it's about replicating that many times over which is what we will do fantastic moving away from healthcare entirely do you have any hobbies or pastimes that you like to do? So I have two. Hob- I don't know if you call them hobbies. I like to cook. Yes. And I think when I um, retire, I would have a massive soup kitchen where I just cooked for people all the time. Ah. So I love cooking and reading. Yeah. So two very different things maybe, but if I had, so my perfect holiday is going away and with lots of books or my Kindle, and just eat read sleep yeah sounds like a great holiday to but me my hobbies my hobbies that you know one of them is definitely cooking brilliant yeah lovely. okay so just to finish it off do you have any last messages that you'd like to say to anyone so i think i think in terms of epsom and st helia it is a really exciting time i think we are um we are the work that we are planning to do around nursing is going to revolutionize how we can look after how we look after patients in Epsom and St Helia. It's an exciting time to join the organisation because we are uh, progressive. We're working towards integration with our communities. So we will truly have opportunities across the spectrum of care, right from community into hospital and back out into the community. Mm. And I think that's it's a great, great, great opportunity and a great time to join the Trust to be part of it. Okay. There you are. Thank you very much, Arlene.